I'm ready. Hey everyone, I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kyle Rosenthal. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, October the 12th. And today we are going to be listening back to some audio from some of the big news stories of the week. And so we have some of those said audio clips lined up. Let's get to the first one. It's bad incentives. It's basically reply guys meet revenue. And if you put those two things together, it's just an awful dynamic because you've got people whose only interest is clicks and followers. And then you've given them the gift that these clicks and followers help them make money behind the scenes. That is an absolutely upside down set of incentives. Yeah, welcome to social media. So that was a guy by the name of David Clinch. He's a founding partner of the social media intelligence agency Storyful. He's also co-founder of Media Growth Partners. It's an interview that he did with um, Lily Jamali on Marketplace Tech. And and the general subject was, uh, of course, you know, the perverse incentives. But it comes as the European Commission is now, well, one hesitates to get, say getting serious, but is trying to get serious with Elon Musk and Twitter, now known as the other thing, um, because of the, we talked about this the other day, the just spewing of misinformation and disinformation and imagery and all of that stuff on that social media website. Um, uh, he's got like literally like a day and a half to clean it up or huge fines. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And look, sorry, just brief editorial comment. It's one more indication of the Europeans taking regulation of these things way more seriously than the Americans do. You know, I was listening to that clip and I was thinking it could also have been about that obituary story that you did with people who make money oh, off yeah, of totally. reading sure. other people's obituaries. Yep. It's like the perverse yep. incentive things is is it, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's all out of whack. Um, yeah. So the next piece of audio comes from an interview I did earlier this week with Ken Pucker at Tufts University, Tufts University's Fletcher School of Business. So this was a story about Levi Levi's earnings and how because it was so hot this summer, Levi's was saying that not mm -hmm. as many people were buying jeans, myself included, um, and sort of <laughs> whether or not we're going to hear more companies using climate change as an excuse to uh, as as for why they miss their earnings, not just because of like supply chain disruptions, but also because of consumer habits changing. And, you know, Ken gave me wonderful information about all of those things that I asked him about, but he was very um, careful to say that it's really not the consumer's fault. Here's what he said. I don't think consumers can understand the complexities inherent in apparel supply chains to make informed choices. That said, companies need to change their behavior I think in order to do that, we need policy. And it would be helpful if consumers, consumer zeitgeist also shifted and people realize that more isn't always better and that they could instead buy more for durability as opposed to for fashion. And yeah. one of the, <laughs> yeah, sorry, there sorry. was an, <laughs> go ahead. You make your point because I want to look up something well, real quick. Well, no, my point was just that last little bit, durability versus fashion. I mean, you know, we, we famously in this country want fast fashion, which is environmentally destructive. We want to, you know, all of us want to look good and we're not thinking about how long the clothes are going to last. And that's a real challenge when you're thinking fashion and sustainability. Right. So one of the things he said was that in order to stay within, and I'm going to read his exact quote, in order to stay within planetary boundaries, the average American consumer would have to go from buying about 55 items a year to five. It's that order of magnitude mm. of change. 
And that floored hmm. me because I like to think of myself like I have a relatively small closet, you know, compared to most of the, oh, well, compared to women, women I know I have not that many clothes. Hmm. But thinking about only buying five items of clothing per year is a stretch even for me. And he's saying that we need to go from 50, the average consumer buying 55 items a year down to five. That was wild to me. And that's a, such a huge shift in mindset. Yeah. Yeah, wow, 55. I don't definitely don't buy 55. I also definitely don't buy five. So I'm probably right? on the lower end of the scale. Sorry, I'm just muttering. I need to myself. like go and count because I, I wonder yeah. how many items of yeah. clothing per year I actually buy. That's a, that's a findable number. Yeah. Okay, it anyway. Is, it, it, it totally is. All right, next one. Here we go. Women are now more educated than men. They graduate from college at much higher rates than men. They do better in high school than than men do. So why are there these differences? And and we realize that these differences, although some are found within the labor market, are really reflections of what happens within individuals' homes. That was Claudia Golden. She won the Nobel Prize for Economics this past Monday, I guess, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Talking about her life's work, which is gender differences in the labor force and the, the I think it said the Un misunderstood or not understood things was the citation if I'm, I'm butchering that but things that we hadn't really thought about and when I say we I mean the mostly male economists who have been studying this mm -hmm. stuff for years and Golden comes along makes it her life work and wins a Nobel at the age of, of 77 the third woman to win the prize the first to win it solo also the first woman to be tenured as an economics professor at Harvard um, she literally sort of created that field and did amazing work. She will also be heard tomorrow morning, by the way, depending on when you're listening to this, Friday morning, on the Marketplace Morning Report, talking to our colleague David Brancaccio about the prize and her work and, and what it means. You know, when I was working on that, uh, that story about her on Monday, um, it was so nice to hear just like all of these women waxing poetic about mm -hmm. her because... Suffice it to say, not every winner of a Nobel in all the various categories are always the nicest people. Sometimes they have hmm. to, not they don't have to, sometimes they kind of can trample on colleagues on their way to the top mm -hmm. uh, or mm -hmm. not necessarily have people say the nicest things about them after they win. But everyone was just like so happy and, and thrilled for her and talking about what a just rock she is in the field and how That's many great. women she's supported over the the decade she's been in in the business so i thought that was really cool yeah that is that is very neat very neat last one here we go you will go to the moon <laughs> you'll probably be heading there soon someday flowers will grow there but first funny. you gotta go there oh you will go to the moon oh my gosh it's so cute so this wow. is a song I know, right? Who knew this was a real thing? This is a song by the Canadian folk band Moxie Fruvas, which was released in 1997. Now, how did my non-musical self find this song? I didn't. Phil, a Mastodon user, sent this to me on Mastodon because since we had to flee Twitter, I've been all over the social mm -hmm. medias. Um, but Phil sent me this after our episode where we were talking about uh, the plans to, you know, make colonies on the moon by 2040 and my holding out hope that one one day I'll go to the moon, and, and Phil sent me this song saying, you'll go to the moon, and it made me smile. There you go. It's very cute. <laughs> there you go. Look, you got you to gotta, you gotta have hope, right? You got to have hope. Yeah, we, especially uh, looking around the world. <laughs> so, uh, 
Anyway, done for today is what we are. Back tomorrow for Economics on Tap. YouTube live stream starts at 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern. More news, drinks, uh, and a game. Yes, and we love hearing from you. If you have a story you want to share with us, a comment, a question, or a suggestion, our email is makemesmart at marketplace.org, or you can leave us a voicemail at 508-UB-SMART. Sorry about the leaf blower in the background. I'm just guessing you guys can hear that. If somewhat muffled. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Today's episode of Make Me Smart, Leaf Blower and All, was produced by Courtney Bergseeger with assistance from H. Conley. Audio engineering by Charlton Thorpe. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. And we go out with a leaf blower.